0: Welcome to Unbreakable Spirit, stories of inspiring and thriving, with Jennifer Seven, co author of a book that is part of the Sisterhood Folios, a number one international bestseller. This is a podcast about real women who've overcome tremendous obstacles and come out on the other side to thrive. Whether their hardships were financial, relational, or health, these women dug deep and found the light out of the dark to rise from the ashes to find the ability to forgive, to love, and to live an authentic, joyful life. Now, here is your host, Jennifer Seven.
1: Welcome, Unbreakable Spirit listeners, to our next episode. And I, as I always am, so honored and excited to have this amazing guest today. And my guest today is Roxanne, and I should have asked you this, Roxanne, how to pronounce your last name. (laughs) Chapu. <laughs> Chapu. It says French.
2: Yeah. It's French. <laughs> uh,
1: so I'm just going to go with Roxanne. Uh, and Roxanne is a globally recognized luminary, inspirer, celestial guide, celestial and generational earth shaman. And the host of Soul to Soul with Roxanne. Roxanne's purpose is to lead beautiful souls to effectively illuminate their soul's luxuriance. She has successfully guided thousands of beautiful souls to connect with their most divine essence by teaching them to alchemize and harmonize their internal medicines and experiences so that they can luxuriously manifest everything they desire in their limitless power. While experiencing sensations of enlightened knowingness, unconditional love, unwavering inner peace throughout their journey. And there is so much, so much more to Roxanne that we are going to hear about on this podcast. And I wanted to say, welcome, Roxanne. So excited to have you here.
2: Oh, Jennifer, I'm so excited to be here. It's such an honor. Thank you for having me today.
1: You are welcome. And I know you have quite the story. So I am going to let you just jump in and start your story with what you'd like to share with us today.
2: Absolutely. So I'll start from a bit of the beginning of this, of this lifetime of this incredible life. So ever since I was a little girl, I had this profound knowingness that I was being called to serve humanity. I just didn't really understand what that entailed or what that was going to look like. And I was always very receptive to energy and people would come to me and just wanting to be in my energy, adults, people that I would meet, strangers I would meet in the grocery store as a small child. And they would come to me and they would share their stories with me and they would seek guidance and they would ask me my opinion or like what I thought their next direction in life should be. And I remember my mom taking pause and just letting me know like, wow, you should like really be a psychologist or a social worker going to counseling. However, I never felt that that was an alignment for me and what my path was and where I was being called. So I ended up going through life and I remember I was always trying to resonate with my family and friends. Like, do you have this burning feeling that you're being called? And nobody could resonate with me. They're like, oh, well, I know I want to be like a lawyer or a doctor or whatnot. I'm like, well, that's incredible. But it's something like I'm being called and I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. So I ended up suppressing those feelings and that aspect of myself because I couldn't resonate with anyone and nobody could guide me through that aspect of what I was feeling. So I thought, You know perhaps i was just thinking it about myself and maybe everybody else thought this but they just didn't want to vocalize it i just Mm -hmm. wasn't sure and i ended up going through my life and i had you know some trials and tribulations growing up i came from a beautiful family with my mom and my stepdad they raised us absolutely incredibly with so much love and so much support and so much guidance and my parents my biological parents had separated at a very very young age And my dad had moved on and had another wife and had another family. And I was only able to see my father maybe once a year Mm. because he was in the military and he was living abroad in a different country. So for me, it was like, I just felt like I was being replaced. I felt like I was being abandoned. I was neglected, even though that wasn't his intention as a child. I didn't understand that. And I didn't Mm -hmm. know how to process that. I internalized that. I internalized that wounding and allowed it to be a reflection of me when it really had nothing to do with me. But as a child, you don't understand that.
1: That sense of abandonment, right?
2: Yeah, right. And I took this into my life and I sought the validation of men, Mm -hmm. of wanting to be loved and be accepted by them. And what I ended up getting because of coming from a place of being wounded I ended up being with people that were taking away my power, trying to control aspects of me and were rejecting my love. And that had a lot of wounding within them. And I was in a place where I wanted to rescue them. I wanted to show them that I was worthy of their love, just like I wanted to show my father that I was worthy of his love. So I ended up stepping into a very unhealthy pattern of very unhealthy relationships where I ended up stepping into a marriage. And it was a very, very unhealthy marriage. I knew that I should never have married this person. I did it because I had a child with him. And I believed because I grew up in a broken home and I yearned for my father's attention and love for such a profound amount of time throughout my life. I wanted my child to experience both parents in the same household, not realizing that that toxicity and the unhealthiness that children can feel that. And they develop their sense of love and the sense of how they respect their parents and how they respect others in being in a setting of that nature. And I ended up staying with him for a very long time. I ended up having three beautiful children. And it came to a point where I would have rather died than spend another day in the household that I was in. And I ended up leaving with my three beautiful children. It was a very planned um, departure just because of the toxicity and the abusive um, behaviors that were in the relationship. And shortly after I had left that marriage and I was trying to find my way as a single mother, I faced four near-death experiences consecutively within a two-year span. Wow. Wow. And those near death experiences really allowed me to awaken to who I was. And in the meantime, in the interim, I was working in healthcare before that for 13 years, working with cancer patients, helping them in their palliative stages at end of life stages. And then I was working as an executive at a local college. So I was just trying to do the grind, the nine to five, get the pension, get the benefit. And try and find my purpose in some way, but nothing was in alignment. And when I had my first near death experience, it really shook the essence of my foundation of what my belief system was. Can you share with us what happened? Yes, absolutely. So, a family friend and I here in Canada, we have really severe winters, like feet of snow that really get dropped onto us, and our snowstorms are pretty incredible. And we had decided that we were going skiing and the night before I couldn't sleep. And it was like two in the morning. And I had this feeling that I shouldn't go and I wanted to cancel the plans, but the integrity of my word, being the nice girl, I was like, no, I can't cancel on someone last minute, even though I always followed my instinctual senses. I always followed that intuitiveness. However, I didn't want to disappoint someone by -hmm. letting them down and not being a person of my word, because I knew what that felt like, because my father was the example, the polarity of that, where he would tell us he would be present and he would be nowhere to be found. So for me, being an integrous person in my word meant and signified a lot for me because it was coming from a wounded place. So I negated and I neglected my intuitive senses. And when I woke up in the morning, it was six in the morning, it was snowing. There was massive amounts of snow on the ground. And I just had this very different feeling I I got into my vehicle and I have this crystal angel pendulum that I was gifted to by one of my cancer patients that had passed Mm -hmm. and every time I would go on travels I would just kind of feel her I always represent her as a her and it would either be like a really positive thing like I would just feel like that connection like it's safe to go like safe passage safe voyage kind of thing And I had touched the crystal angel and for some reason I couldn't connect and it felt really off. Something felt really wrong. And I was like, wow, that's really bizarre. And I ended up going to pick up the gentleman that we were going skiing with the family friend that we were going skiing with. And I allowed him to drive my vehicle because I've driven with him for the majority of my life, like on, on large commutes. And he was a great driver, safe driver, nothing to do with his driving, but he had never driven my vehicle before. Mm and he got into the vehicle and we were driving on this massive highway and as we were as we were kind of behind snowplows it was like regulating our speed and i just remember feeling like even though we weren't going fast i felt like it was too fast for the weather because it was such it was such like literally it was such a bad 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 snowstorm so mm. I just had this really eerie feeling. And I just thought to myself, I'm like, I want to tell him to slow down. But the nice girl in me was like, oh, no, no, like, trust him, trust his driving. (laughs) Might be
1: offended if you say that. Might be offended.
2: Shut up. You know, don't be a bad driver. Did did you have, were your kids with you? No, it was just myself and him. And I remember just having this eerie feeling just come over me and it was like, you are going to get into a severe accident today. Today Today's the Uh day it's happening. And I didn't want to communicate that to him because I didn't want him to then have that in his head. And then, (laughs) you know, So I was like, no. So the whole ride, I was like trying to calm myself down. I was trying to, you know, just rationalize. Okay. Like you're safe. Everything's okay. He's driven like you've driven with him before he's driven transports before, you know, that you can trust his driving, you know, yada, yada, yada. And we ended up on this back country highway. And it was like, just like this two lane highway. And it wasn't like, there wasn't a lot of vehicles on the highway. And we had never traveled this highway before. To where we were going to this ski mountain. And we were on this road and we were going slow for like the weather of like what it was like in the area, but maybe a little bit too fast for how bad the snowstorm was. And I just remember having this really, really icky feeling. And sure enough, as soon as we were driving, there was a 90 degree cut in the road. One side was the rock cliff and the other side was the cliff.
0: Oh boy.
2: And what what ended up happening. I just remember bracing myself. I said, oh my goodness. I said, we're going over the cliff. Like we're going oh. over the cliff. Wow. And what ended up happening because of the massive snowstorm, the snow accumulated against the guardrail and acted as a ramp. So we literally ramped right over the cliff and landed on a frozen lake. We went 50 feet out, 90 foot drop down, and we landed on a frozen lake. And that whole time, it was like, it was so it happened so quickly. My life flashed before my eyes. All I could see is my children, the regrets that I had of like, maybe not being as a present mother. And I, I knew something was also off. Like I knew that I was saying that I was happy to everyone else. And I was content in life. However, the reality of it was, I wasn't, I didn't even know myself. I didn't even feel that I was following my path. So, so many things had happened within those moments. And I remember the other vehicle that was, that was driving on the highway. There was this one vehicle, it was a truck and he was coming the other side of the cliff and he saw us flying midair. And he was like, oh my goodness. He was like, I was so scared, what I was going to drive up on. And there was a doctor that ended up stopping at the scene. And we were stuck in the vehicle because the snow had surrounded the vehicle on the lake. So we couldn't, we couldn't get out of the vehicle through the door. So we were panicking. And we didn't even know if we were alive. We were totally in shock. Like we 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 didn't even understand what was happening. We were like we were confused. And I remember the doctor yelling down. She said, "Is anybody gaping with wounds? Any gashes? Or are you bleeding out?" And like I, we were just like, we don't even know what's happening right now. Like we're just in shock. Like are we alive? We're looking at each other. Like and, and like, where are me? we? And what happened? Where are and- we? Like what happened? And all we hear is like pow, pow, pow. Well, we're going through the lake. Right, oh, no. With the oh, momentum gosh. of the vehicle, the one-ton vehicle hitting a lake. It's cracking. Start, and she's like, oh, I called EMS and everything. They're on their way right now. Like she was yelling at us down this cliff and we're like, we're going through the lake. Like, oh my goodness. Panic. And she's like, oh yeah, okay, get out. <laughs> get out. But she couldn't make her way down to me because we were too steep in to see if like, if we had any broken leg like, necks or any type of those types of injuries. And we're climbing this cliff. So you and so we're, you were able to
1: get out of the car?
2: We ended I mean, up getting out of the to, car. Opening the doors
1: or oh, crawling we up the windows? Like, or? We
2: were pushing out the door. We ended up going out of, a, I ended up going outside of my window. He ended <sighs> up really jimmying, like he took some time and he, I think he cracked the door open up just to slither out. I didn't, wasn't really paying attention to him, to be honest. I just remember we <laughs> were like, I'm up. getting out. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like this whole... It was just a bit of that blur, but you, you remember because of the shock in your system. And I remember we were climbing up and the police officers were there. And before the police had gotten there, we, there was just this one house on this whole strip that we had seen. And there was this one house on this corner. And we ended up going to it. Cause when your body goes into shock, your bowels, everything, your bladder needs to release itself. Right. Uh. And we're like, Oh my goodness. Like we need to go to the washroom. Like our body's in shock. Like we're going to go knock on these people's door. We have no idea who they are. And we, we knock at the door and they answer, and she came down and she said, I'm a nurse. And she said, I'm so glad that you guys are alive because everybody else that has went over this cliff. Cause we weren't the first, she said, they don't survive. I'm usually down there until EMS is coming and I'm giving them their last right. She's like the only wow. ones that have ever seen survive out of this. were in cab trucks, like transport cabs. So she said, I'm just so thankful that you made it to my door. So she's like, yes, come on in. It is dead winter. Like we're freezing. Mm. And the police officer gets there and he's like, he was like, I was so worried what I was going to drive up on. He's like, I thought for sure this was going to be a fatality. Like, a, like you, both of you, he's like, I don't understand how you survived because the way that the vehicle was when it hit the guardrail, we were already veering left. So the the, the the car was already tilted all the way to the left when we hit the guardrail. So he's like, technically, you should have rolled. Yeah, that's what we- I was
1: wondering, or flipped or something. Or, or
2: you should have flipped. He's like, you should have literally have landed on the roof of the vehicle and been crushed on impact. <sighs> and when they were sweeping the vehicle out of the lake, they had this massive boom truck. And we had literally missed a massive rock boulder by two millimeters. And if we would have landed on it, we would have been crushed on impact.
1: Oh, my goodness.
2: So we were like, oh my goodness. And I remember the tow truck driver saying, you know, like, oh, we're just so thankful that you guys are alive. He's like, most of the times the cars that I'm pulling out of here, they did not make it or they're in like, literally like, like they're severe injuries. Like yeah. they are not, they are not making it through. So, so this was like a miracle. It was. It really was. And I remember the one guy that was driving by because he he waited for a long time to make sure that like EMS and everything had came because we were all in shock. And I remember him saying, "Like that was some Dukes the Hazard shit." (laughs) Like I always wanted to do that, but you know what? But but survive. (laughs) But survive.
1: Like, yeah, that, that when the, the car goes flying <laughs> off and lands nicely.
2: <laughs> but imagine like witnessing that from his perspective. So I, I was like, oh, like, thank you for stopping at least to like make sure that whatnot. not. But yeah, it was just such an incredible experience. And then from that moment, my life had already started to change. It was already starting to pivot. I started really having more of that inner and that deeper self-reflection, that introspective, questioning my belief systems, questioning my path questioning what really truly fulfilled me, because what I thought fulfilled me, what I was saying was fulfilling me, truly wasn't fulfilling me in any way.
1: So you were doing what you needed to do to take care of your kids and financially support them, but it wasn't in alignment with your true calling.
2: Yeah, as as we all do, right? We, We all feel like, I can't speak for everyone, but the majority of us feel like we have to do what we need to do in order to provide for our children and to provide for ourselves, which is totally understandable in this monetary world. But it's to understand that we can also do that with our gifts and our internal medicines. And we can do it with our passion and we can pull just the exact same amount of revenue um, through our life. So it's just about that conditioning in our belief system that we think that there's only one way, there's only 20 or 50 jobs that we can take throughout our life, that we can't be our own creators and create what we feel that we're destined to. When we, when we speak about individuality, we speak about being individuals and uniques and having all incredible gifts and abilities. We don't, we don't fall under one umbrella. So one thing doesn't represent us all. So it's just about having that understanding and that knowledge and that knowingness to know that we don't have to label ourselves in the way that society labels us. So how did things begin to change? Yeah. So the first thing I was in this relationship after that had left my marriage, like it was a while after I had left my marriage when this accident had happened. And it really made me realize that I was just repeating the same cycle and patterns that I was allowing myself to be treated and to not be valued. And I could, because I wasn't valuing myself and I wasn't treating myself with the most love and respect. So that was the first thing that I really, I, I got rid of. Like I, I just cleared out of my path. I cleared out of my journey. And then it was about focusing on my children and making sure that I was being the present mother in which I really had envisioned what type of mother I was going to be. That was the mother I was going to be. I was going to be very involved with my children because I knew what it felt like to not have a parent be involved. Mm-hmm. So that to me was of high importance and because of the divorce and everything that was going through my life, the separation and all that, and figuring out everything on my own, it took away that quality time with them because I was stuck in survival mode. I was Mm -hmm. trying to survive, to be able to put food on the table for them and still enjoy them. Like we still had fun and I still like honored who they were in this part of my journey, But I lost that connectiveness of being in the moment because I was always worrying about tomorrow or what I have to do as soon as I put them to bed. Mm -hmm. I wasn't being, I wasn't allowing myself to be present with them. I was always thinking of the future and the future being a minute from now, five minutes Mm -hmm. from now, a day from now. So I really allowed myself to work on my mindset in this capacity and to understand that time is just a construct. And and
1: were you doing this just all on your own, figuring this out on your own, or did you have any guidance at this point? Just your own guidance.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, I did this all on my own. And I remember the one thing that I didn't do on my own is I had read this book. It was about unhealthy relationships and the nice girl syndrome. And this really explained a lot of things for me and my behaviors and my actions of what I was seeking in these partners. So that really allowed me to look at things a little bit differently, but everything else, when I was doing my certifications and all that, it was really helping me heal those aspects of myself because I was doing the work myself in order to heal these wounds so that I wasn't repeating these cycles and these patterns anymore going forward. It was about doing the work while But while really just embracing every aspect of the journey and allowing my emotions to flow through, allowing my emotions to really allow them to be expressed, because there was so much of that that was suppressed, because I felt like I always had to be the rock for everyone. I always felt that I had to be strong for my children, not let my my children see me cry, not let others see me cry. And I was never allowing myself to feel my emotions. So it was an incredible start of a healing journey for me. And
1: you just found your way to these different certifications. I was kind of wondering where you started. I mean, you read the book and then you started to, you still had to work. You still had to pay the bills. So how did you
2: kind of bring that in? Yeah, so absolutely. So yeah, I was working. Um, I was working as an executive at a local college while all this, stuff in my journey had presented itself. And really what I did is I took the time to invest in myself because what really brought this to reality for me and that I was meant to be a guide was that I had been guiding people my entire life. My entire life, even throughout my career, throughout the cancer center, I was not the psychologist of our program, the neuropsychologist, the social worker, the therapist or anything of that nature. However, all the patients that would come to us would share their story with me and ask me for guidance and feel resonance and want to be in my energy every time they came for their visits. And I remember some of the girls being like, you're not even like the the therapist or the counselor. They just share everything with you, but they just felt comfortable to do so. And I remember I would just give them a little bit of like of guidance, of advice that I would do. And should they want to take it or not, that would be totally up to them. So I had been guiding people my entire life. And I was driving one day after this near-death experience as I was trying to find my path. And it was like this moment of clarity and it was like, oh, wait, I'm like, you've been guiding everyone throughout your life, friends, family, everything, everyone that has come across your physical path. You have been that beacon of guidance and that beacon of light of positivity and love yet you're limiting yourself by just helping those that come along your physical path. Why are you not trying to serve the world? And then that moment had clued into me. And I was like, I need to start a coaching business. I need to go into the coaching realm. And I did that. I created a business while working full time, doing my education. I did it all. I did it all. Being a single mom, I was working full time. I would come home and do my studies. I would work on my business, do everything that I needed to do in order to be able to shift my reality. Because when we truly want to change, when we truly want something that we desire and that we are passionate about, we will find a way. Just like Mm -hmm. if we love someone, we will find a way to be with them. We will find a way to make things work. And that's what I did for my life. So that's where the coaching and the guidance element came in.
1: Well, I think too, when you are putting yourself in that alignment, you're so supported by the universe or whoever supports us beyond just physical people supporting you. Well, even physical people supporting you, you you suddenly, you have that support as you go on that path.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you know what, my parents, I thought they were going to be a little bit more apprehensive than they were just because they are they came from a generation where you work nine to five, you gain your pension, you go work for the benefits, you stay at the same place for 35 years and you don't take risk. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. yeah. So this is the, and, and I understood that. And I understood why my mom was like that because she was a single mom. So security and stability meant everything for her in order to be able to provide for her children. However, it didn't show me that we could take risks in life. It didn't show me that we can follow our heart and our passion because I didn't see her do that. So I was a little bit worried when I brought this to her because I knew what her ideology was. Oh, you're going to leave a six figure job in order to <laughs> go into a business that you don't even have one client yeah. at this moment, you know, but mm-hmm. I wasn't irrational. I wasn't, I don't, I don't make illogical decisions. So for me to have done that, it was like, I was working at both until one was able to stand on its own and be mm-hmm. in the success of its own. And I remember when I told my mom, I was worried and I was waiting for the apprehension. And she was like, you know what? She's like, this is what you need to do. She's yeah. like, "She's like, I don't know how you haven't done this sooner. Yes. And I, when she supported me and she's like, obviously I have concerns. And she's like, I'm a coward. This is exactly what she said. She said, I'm a coward. I would never take the risk. I would be too scared. She's like, so to see you chasing your dreams and following your heart. And she's always told me to follow my heart, but I didn't see it modeled right? It was just words because I didn't see her follow her heart in what she truly desired for her life. But I understood why she did what she did. And when she said that to me, it was like this release that I didn't need to carry her, her learnings, her teachings with me and bring it into my family. Now I'm teaching my children to follow their goals, follow their passion, follow their heart and serve and to be good and to, just be a good human being and serve humanity.
1: Yeah! Wow, felt a lot of that when I separated and and got divorced from my ex husband. Uh, that kind of guilt of oh, my, my kids were older. My youngest was sixteen at the time. But I also look at it now because it was a very unhappy marriage for a very long time, and. I look at my daughter and I, I hope, and I pray that I've shown her that you don't have to settle. You don't have to exist miserably. (laughs) You can make those changes. I I'm really hoping that's that I opened that door for her.
2: So I know what you mean. (laughs) Yeah. And when we see, and when we see that model and see my mom gave me the power to be able to leave my marriage because she was able to leave my father. Mm -hmm. So that that was always instilled in me that I was strong enough as who I was, and I didn't need somebody that was toxic in my life. I was just trying to provide a different outcome for my children than what I had experienced. But really, it was just doing them a disservice because children yeah. know everything. Children mm-hmm. feel everything, the unsaid words, the said words, everything. They feel the actions. They feel the tension within the home. They feel every aspect of what we subject ourselves to. And the best gift that we can give them is to show them a life of true happiness and fulfillment. And it's not to say that we're gonna have rainbows and butterflies every single day of our life. It means that we have inner peace and we have a calm surrounding and that we are able to be the present parent that we want to be because when we are in an unhealthy cycle of a relationship, our energy is dispersed into that relationship and it affects our parenting. It affects how we have our patience. It affects our irritability. It affects every aspect of being a parent. When we can parent independently and coming from a place of love of unconditional love and of inner peace and not having that emotional irregulation be controlled by somebody else outside of ourselves. It really teaches our kids Something a whole lot different that that happiness actually comes from within and not from someone else being in your life, and that that person isn't there to supplement an aspect of your life, they're there to complement an aspect of your mm-hmm. life. And when we understand that, and when we teach our children that, and that they don't need to settle for to be mistreated. They don't need to settle to have an unhealthy relationship. They don't need to settle to be in a job that they despise and that they they just want to cringe every morning they have to wake up to go to. This is what we're teaching them, that anything is possible. We have this ideology that the sky is the limit, which is, to me, is absurd because we are limitless beings. We don't have a limit we place that limit within our mind. Our mind is our limit. Our intellectual body is our limit. Yeah,
1: I'm so resonating with with what everything that you have just said, because my parents had a very unhappy, difficult marriage and my mother never left my father. Although I remember as a teenager begging her to, <laughs> it's like, oh, just please leave mom. <laughs> and then I think I followed the same sort of pattern with my husband. I think he was a lot like my dad you know, we try to work out our issues from our childhood with our, with our partner. And yet I was going to have that marriage, I was going to make it work, and it was going to be a happy family. So I was, it was always looking okay from the outside, but not from the inside. And yeah, so I totally get what you're saying and what you've been through.
2: And when we think about the relationship dynamics, and it's not to say that our partners are bad people because they are coming for their own moods and their own traumas that they haven't yet healed. And when we enter into a relationship, and this is why I feel it's so important to heal aspects of ourselves that we are aware of and that we are able to take accountability for because before we step into a relationship or when we're in a relationship, that partner is meant to act as a mirror. They are mm-hmm. meant to be there to activate us and trigger us so that we can heal these facets of our life. But if you are coming with two severely wounded people that have two different ideologies and they're constantly triggering each other in a negative way where they're not even allowing that growth to take place it is very detrimental to both people
1: mhm yeah so there you are you've started your coaching business and what happens next and then i, I you had four near death experiences so we've only touched on one
2: <laughs> so you know an incredible journey again so Shortly after I had started my business, everything was going so beautifully. And out of nowhere, essentially, I ended up hemorrhaging to death. And I literally was was grasping to my life the first time. And I had hemorrhaged to death on, on three different occasions in a span of six months. And they couldn't figure out what was happening with me. They couldn't understand how to repair what was happening within, like why, why my system was clotting, why I was hemorrhaging. They couldn't understand what was happening and transferring throughout my body. So it was six months of investigation and literally six months of almost loo- like losing my life. And I didn't have that energy back into my body for almost two years after that. It took that long because I lost such a profound amount of blood, like blood transfusion. like It was incredible. And the the first time I literally, I thought for sure I was dying. I thought for sure it was my last moment. I was seeing things, I was hallucinating and I was not on any medication. I don't take pain medication, even if I'm in severe pain. I just don't. I don't like the feeling. I like being in control of my body and my intellectual body. And I don't like something else controlling that aspect of me so like Tylenol that's fine but to give me anything more potent than that in in a hospital setting I was really like pushing back on them so they they stopped it right away because I was in severe pain and I remember just telling the friend who had brought me in and I told her I said listen I said please just tell my children I love them and tell my mom to take care of them because you can't leave them with him and i thought for sure and then i ended up passing out and then all i knew is that they they brought me back and how did that change everything for you i think you said
1: what you wrote at one point was you you definitely had a real experience when you were not pr- awake or yeah and i in just state.
2: i just remember that it was like i was going home in Mm. in the vision of what, of what was transpiring inside of me. And it was like, I was going home, I was going home to the light and I could feel the warmth and I can feel the love. And it was like a dark tunnel. Then all of a sudden it was just like bright, 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 bright light. And I just remember coming all the way back. And it was just like, I retracted through the dark tunnel. And then it was like, I was around and I thought, in some way that I was having an outer, like an outer body experience because it felt like I was witnessing my body from an observer's Mm -hmm. point of view and that I wasn't actually seeing myself. And I remember like trying to feel myself and asking the nurse, like, am I here? Like, is, is this real? And she's like, Oh, like, sweetheart, you're here. (laughs) And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, I like, it was just such a processing moment. And shortly after that, and like I said, I had three near death experiences in that six month span. And after the last near-death experience, I remember that I ended up having this dream for almost four months straight every single night. And it was when I was in that near-death experience, it was like this energy was welcoming me. It was like it was waiting for me in a sense. It was just such a beautiful feeling. Like you almost wanted to go into it. Like Mm -hmm. you wanted to go toward it. And I remember just like feeling that energy and like that connection. And shortly after the last near-death experiences, I remember having this dream for almost four months straight. And it was this beautiful Indigenous woman that was coming to me. So for me, I am of Indigenous background here in Canada. I am Native and French, and it's a culture here we call Métis. And I had this beautiful Indigenous woman come to me. And she was standing in front of this ravina and there was teepees right beside her. And she had her arms extended to me and she was chanting me this song. And it was so melancholy. It was so beautiful. It was so calming. And I just remember the connection that I felt with her. It just felt like she was of my maternal, like great grandmother. Like that's the connection I felt to her. And the energy felt in a resemblance of what I had experienced in my first near-death experience with the hemorrhaging so the second near-death experience in this whole story but the first time that I started hemorrhaging and I just remember she was chanting me the song and she kept chanting me the song and I wake up in the morning and I would start chanting the song around the house and my partner was like wow that's a really beautiful song like that is a really beautiful chant I said this is what she sings to me every single night and he's like wow that is that is really beautiful I said I don't know what she's trying to tell me I do dream interpretations. I saw the land in which she was calling me, but I had never been to these lands. So I didn't understand what she was trying to convey to me. And here in our tribal communities, in the Métis tribal communities, we have elders and our elders are the ones that carry our wisdom, they carry our teachings, our songs, the medicine plants, all of our traditions and I met with the shaman and I was telling him of my dream because I was trying to make sense of it because it's very, it's an anomaly for someone to come into your dream for almost four months straight. Mm-hmm. And I was sharing my dream with him. And he said, she's calling you to the land. And I said, I know she's calling me like, he's like, she's calling you to the land to come and heal. You're meant to be a healer. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm meant to be a healer. Like, what am I doing with this? And he said, it will come to you in vision. And I said, come to me in vision. He said, it'll come to you in dream. So I'm like, okay, it'll come to me in dream. And then I was chanting him the song that she was singing to me, that she was chanting to me. And he said, oh my goodness. He said, I haven't, we haven't heard that song in healing circles for over a hundred years. He said, my great grandfather used to chant that song to me before bed, but it wasn't the same version. And it wasn't in healing circles. Almost like she changed the rendition to be custom to you. And as soon as he said that to me, I had goosebumps go all obviously all over my body. I was like, what am I doing with this information? And he's like, it will come to you. And I'm like, oh, it will come to me. And like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, Where am I going? Where am I starting? Like, tell me something. And I ended up meeting with this incredible spiritual mentor shortly after. And there was no connection between this elder shaman whatsoever. And I was telling her of my dream. And she said the same thing. She said, she's calling you to the land. She's calling you. To come and heal, you're meant to be a shaman. And I'm like, meant to be a shaman. Like, where am I starting? Like that's I know it's not something you can just become. It's something that you're mentored into, you're birthed into, there's you're initiated into. It's not something that you can just claim that you're a healer. I'm like, what what am I doing with this? Like, where do I go? And she said, it will come to you. I'm like, (laughs) okay, (laughs) I just have to be patient, I guess, right?
1: And and are you still doing your
2: coaching business at this time? Yes, I'm still doing coaching at this time. And so sure enough, the last night that I, I have this incredible dream, I wake up in the morning and all of a sudden I have this knowingness exactly where I need to go, what land I need to go to. And I wake up, I tell my partner, I said, listen, it's pouring rain outside. I'm like, I, I need to go and heal. And I said, I know where I need to go. I know where land I need to go on. And I need to go and heal. And he was very supportive. He's like, yeah, do what you got to do. He's like, but wait, you're going in the forest with wolves and bears by yourself in the pouring rain and with nothing.
1: Wow. <laughs> I'm like,
2: well, I just felt protected. And he's like, just bring something for, for me. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll bring would you wear a jacket, please? <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring something for you. And I get into my vehicle and I'm listening to this old indigenous song that I listened to since I was a little girl. And it's just like, it was so beautiful. And I was chanting the song that she was gifting me in my dream. And it was like the floodgates had opened. And it was like, it was like this release of crying. Like, I mean, like waterfalls of tears. And it was like, I was reconnecting to my emotions. I was reconnecting to my soul in this drive. And it was like, it was such a beautiful experience. And it was so sad at the same time. And I just, I was crying. It was a two and a half hour drive. And I was crying the entire time. I get to these lands that are known ancient healing, indigenous lands. I get to these lands. It's like a 15 to 20 minute trek. And I'm walking in again, it's pouring rain and I see this beautiful, beautiful rock. And I know I'm like, this is where I need to heal.
1: Had had you ever been to this place before? So you just, you just knew where to go.
2: I just knew where to go, but I knew that these were healing grounds. I just didn't understand. I knew because of a knowingness of wisdom, but I didn't actually have affirmation till after. And then it was affirmed to me by the elders that this was healing ground. So I was like, something with the ancestors were guiding me. Like it was, it was something that was guiding me and I get to these lands and I find this rock and I'm sitting on this rock and I'm doing the smudging ceremony. So for those that don't know what smudging is here in our, and the multitude of tribal communities, what we do is we burn sage, pal santo, cedar, sema, which is wild tobacco, anything of that nature. And we give like an offering to cleanse our energy and clear spirits and, and whatnot. And I'm doing this smudging ceremony on this rock and all of a sudden, and I'm just crying and crying and releasing and releasing. And I'm looking at this cliff in front of me and I'm connecting to my ancestors. I'm realizing the roots of who I am. I'm going back and I'm stripping the superficial layers. Like this is all happening, like within my intellectual body, my emotional body, my spiritual body, like it's like a cleansing. It was like this massive, incredible cleansing to purify me, to like literally reconnect me to who I am at the authenticness of who I am and not the superficialness of what my physical being is. And all of a sudden there was like a deer, a bunny, a chipmunk, a hummingbird just appear in the forest right around me. This little chipmunk's like coming on the rock and like trying to hang out with me. I'm like, buddy, I got no food. Like (laughs) you can hang out here, but like, I don't got nothing for you. And it was just so incredible. And I remember being mesmerized about the hummingbird flying from tree to tree because in pouring rain, I have never seen a hummingbird fly from tree to tree. Usually they wait for it to drizzle down a little bit because it's heavy on their wings. And she was literally just flying, call her a she, but she was just flying on top of me from treetop to treetop. And I remember thinking like, maybe she has a nest, maybe she has her babies in there. And that's why like, she's trying to feed or create her nest. But no, she was literally just from treetop to treetop to treetop to treetop. And it was like, I was reconnecting to the animal kingdom. I was reconnecting to my ancestry. I was reconnecting to my purpose in some incredible way. And as I look up and I'm witnessing this bird, I realize that there's no enclosure over this rock. There's trees around the rock and it's pouring rain. And not one single drop of rain hit me the entire time that I was on this rock for almost four hours crying. That I was dry. Is amazing. I was dry. And after everything, I just remember just walking away from there and there was like this deep profound sense of inner peace of knowingness of knowing who I was of knowing what I was meant to do of knowing that I was a healer that I was here to guide others and I was like I just healed an aspect of myself because I was never the same after that moment everything in my life had changed everything the way that I felt about myself and in every capacity had changed and I said if I can affect this change within me I cannot be a healer unless I can affect this change into others. And I ended up asking, you know, family and friends, Hey, you want to come on this healing journey with me? And they're like, what is a healing journey? I'm like, just come on. (laughs) (laughs) You want to change your life for the better? And they're like, you know what? Why not? Let's do this. And everyone that I brought on this journey, their life was never the same. And then I knew for sure without a doubt that I was a healer. So that brought me into the healing element with the coaching.
1: Wow. That is really something. So Tell us what you're doing now. What? How do you work with people? And how does this all, when you go on a healing journey with you, how does it work?
2: Yeah. So, you know what? It's so incredible because I didn't realize the steps that I needed to take. I was just doing them naturally and where I was being guided. I was allowing my heart to direct where I was being guided and to follow it. And now I understand why I needed all the coaching elements. And it wasn't to attain another certificate. It was so that I could affect true healing and not just at the energetic disposition of who we are, because we are energetic beings. We are made of electromagnetic currency. We are vibration and frequency. This is in science, organized religion, and it has now been confirmed in science that we do in fact have a soul. So our soul essence of who we are and our energy disposition is the biggest and the most important component of who we are. So knowing that and knowing that we can heal those aspects of ourselves we can heal that imprints those disruptions those wounds within the energy field we can then have true profound healing because we're not just healing at a physical capacity we're not just healing at an emotional capacity or an intellectual capacity we're now healing at all four layers of our being so every certification that i acquired was so that i could heal every layer of that person's being and not just at the soulful essence of their energy so then I realize, this is what I need to do. I now have a methodology. Now it's time to go from the physical layer to the emotional, to the intellectual, and then move it into the spiritual. And depending on the person's belief systems, sometimes we have to do that intellectual healing first, because if their belief systems are so profound and that they are truly in a fixed mindset where they're not able to shift from a fear state to a flow state, it's really important that we do and we heal those aspects of that of that first. So it just depends on the client. Yeah, that's
1: really interesting because you have a lot of certifications, Uh, life purpose coach, transformational life coach, cognitive behavior, confidence life, emotional intelligence, enlightenment. I mean, it goes on and on. It is amazing. Forgiveness coach, master neuro-linguistic programming Shaman practitioner, Reiki, hypnotherapy I mean, you've like done a lot, a lot, a lot. Had you done all of this, these certifications before this experience happened or some before and then some after?
2: Oh, the majority of those certifications were done before. Um, that- really? that I went through that own healing journey. A lot of those certifications were already done. The hypnotherapy was one that was done afterwards and the hypnotherapy, as we are shamans, we put people into a transient state, we put them into a trance. So it was just a little bit more powerful to be able to put them into a trance a little bit quicker. But I've realized that the transient state of the traditional way is more powerful than actual hypnotherapy. But to remove blocks and to remove belief systems that aren't serving them, hypnotherapy turned out to be an excellent, excellent avenue. So how long ago
1: was it that you had this experience on the rock?
2: Oh, it's been years now. It's been... Yeah, it's been years now for the healing journey. Okay, so can I ask how old you are?
1: Almost 40. <laughs> oh my gosh. Listeners, if you could see Roxanne, she is absolutely beautiful. And she, mm. you look just so, young. <laughs> <She's> so <laughs> young. That's why you keep saying this stuff. And I'm like, how, how would she fit all this in? <laughs> she <laughs> can't be that old. <laughs>
2: Not the result. I I'm pushing 40 but 29 for the 10th time. <laughs> yeah,
1: there you go. <laughs> my yes, partner's like, like every
2: that. year I get 29 balloons and I'm like my children know that I'm 29 every year. I'm like it's how I feel in my soul. I feel like I'm 29. Yeah. <laughs> and I would say that's much more
1: how you look. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so if if someone wants to work with you How would they get in touch with you, or what would that look like? How long does someone usually have to work with you to make these changes?
2: Yeah, depending on where they are throughout their soul and self mastery journey, it can really range from anywhere for four months, six months to a year, depending on how long and how. Long they want to have support and guidance for, but it's really up to the client and what they feel that they need. Everything is customized to the client and and their needs and their desires of what they're trying to attain for their life and to have that alignment throughout their life. So really it just is just dependent. And it's about connecting and ensuring that we have that beautiful synergetic exchange to make sure that I am the one to be able to guide you through this, because there's nothing more than having a guide that doesn't guide you or that doesn't, you know, really inspire you to activate that change within you. So that alignment, it has to be the right mentor. It has to be the right person for you.
1: So what does it look like for someone to work with you? Is it one-on-one sessions? You do these online, virtually, uh, and do they have homework? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm kind of curious how this all works.
2: Yeah. So we, we definitely work. I don't believe in group In in this sense, because I feel a lot of it is very personal, very profound, a lot of wounding that comes up. So I do a lot of my work is one on one, and we do a lot of one on one sessions for an hour and a half every two weeks. And then what we do at the end is I have a a live healing ceremony. And this is where we do a final shedding and this like a release. And this comes into the shamanism. This comes into a shamanic release of fire ceremony of really purging that last final bit so that we can elevate even more so it's just such an incredible experience and then we do a healing celebration just to celebrate all the milestones all the successes of their journey and to just honor everything that they have been going through and the homework isn't homework because what i do and what i believe is that when we have self-reflection and we have time for contemplation we are then able to stay within our truth. Sometimes we just have to write a letter out. Sometimes we just have to do things in order to release those emotions from our being, remove those wounds from our being so that we can finally release them. So that's Mm. the extent of the homework that I ever offer my clients. Yeah, and
1: and can you give us an example of someone who's come to you and, and how perhaps their life, other than your own example, how their life shifted after working with you?
2: Absolutely, so... All my clients have incredible, incredible transformations. The one that really spoke the truest to me, just because she was one of my first, she was just such a beautiful, beautiful soul, but stuck in very unhealthy cycles and patterns and relationships, lost her father at a very, very young age, which caused a lot of trauma, a lot of wounding to be really lying within her subconscious and her hyperconscious. So it was a lot of work to pull that out because she didn't want to talk about it because it was so painful. So when we were able to open that space and have that dialect and to be able to just have the conversation, what death truly meant to her and what it truly signifies, it allowed her to release the guilt. So just to witness her journey and then go through this incredible healing ceremony and healing celebration, her life had pivoted at that moment. And I always This when I'm working with my client is that the relationship that you're in now may not be the relationship that you're going to want in the next six months to a year of working with me because you're going to realize your worth, you're going to realize your value. And the person that you have in your life may no longer be in alignment with you. In that sense, they may no longer be in your vibration. But if you still want that person in your life, there's ways that we can obviously culminate the experience to ensure that encapsulates both people. But most people will realize that they are settling for the wrong thing because they're stuck in unhealthy patterns and cycles and that they're coming from a place of unworthiness. So their partner is a reflection of that. Mm -hmm. So I will always stipulate that. So as soon as we were done our work, she literally severed that relationship and ended up finding the most magnificent love of her life within three months of that, of shedding, yes. of releasing and of surrendering. And now she's has her own business. Like she, she's just like skyrocketed and just going with it. And she's, continuously healing because there's always going to be new activations and triggers that are coming up we think that we've dealt with one thing yet we didn't rip out the root and it's still there and it's Mm. still pending and it's still really hanging over us so it's just incredible to see that she's continuing with her journey and every client that i work with is still on this journey just as I am just as so do they come
1: back and work with you again
2: Sometimes, or, yeah. Sometimes, but usually I set them up really well so that they don't, but if they need support or just need that one-off laser kind of session intensive and just get, let's get to it. Let's figure this out. They're always welcome to connect with me.
1: That sounds absolutely amazing and quite life-changing. Roxanne, if someone wants to get in touch with you, how would they do that?
2: Yeah, anyone can connect with me on social media under Roxanne Chaput, or you can hit up my website at www.roxannechaput.com. And you can send me an email at at iCloud.com. I answer everything on my own.
1: And do you do anything like a discovery call first before you start working with someone? Or how, how does it work when they actually say, okay, I think I might want to do this.
2: Absolutely. So I always have, I call it a soul to soul connection call. And it's just to make sure that I'm in alignment and that you feel that I'm the right candidate in order to be able to guide you through and mentor you through this aspect of your journey to make sure that you love my energy and that we love each other's energy as we're Mm -hmm. going to be working closely together for the next four to six months to a year, depending on where you are.
1: I think it would be very difficult not to love your energy. (laughs) You really project such, it's so beautiful. Roxanne, thank you so much for being on the show and listeners. I will put all this information in the show notes. So you will also be able to find it there. And if you feel that this is time for you to make a change, a shift, heal some wounds, and I hope you'll reach out to Roxanne because I think uh, could be amazing, an amazing journey. So again, thank you, Roxanne, so much for
0: being on the show.
2: Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you. It's been an honor. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for joining us on Unbreakable Spirit. To learn more about Jennifer and her holistic weight loss approach, visit her website at sevencompany.com. That's the number seven company.com. And please join us for our next episode, where we'll hear from more women who overcame hardship and learned how to thrive.